Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're kicking off a new series tonight that we're calling Friends and Family. Friends and Family. And uh, we're going to talk about this idea of growing in relationships, growing in relationships. It's the month of February, so we got to talk about relationships, and uh, so that's going to be the next couple weeks for us. And uh, we've been talking, if you've been with us for the last several weeks and in a winter retreat and things like that, we've been talking about the idea of spiritual formation or who are we becoming. And if we are, if we are intentional, we are formed or deformed by the things around us. And some of the most formative aspects of our life is in our friends and our family, right? Some of the, like, who we, we shape our lives after primarily is influenced by our family and our friends. Our family, it happens sort of um, involuntarily. You know, you just, you pick up on things from your family. Like, you call, like, the... Um, I mean, I was going to say like drinking fountain, like we call it a drinking fountain in our house, but like some of you guys might call it like a water fountain. Is that random? Like, but it's like, it's your family, like there's like the, you might call it the garbage can or the garbage bin or the trash can. Like, you know how there's certain things that you just pick up from your family and it's not just little things, but it's, it's big things too. Like how you respond to stress. Right? Some of those things are picked up by how you've seen your parents or your siblings respond to stress. So your family is, a, is sort of the unintentional formation that happens in your life. But then your friends are forming you. And sometimes, oftentimes, the friendship formation happens intentionally. Right? You see your friend do something or buy something or dress a certain way or listen to a certain music or do a certain thing. And you think, you think I'm going to do that also, or we're going to do that together. Or it's kind of like those, like, it happens kind of at the same time. Like, we all get into the same things at the same time. But it's like this formation that happens both unintentionally, a byproduct of our environment, and intentionally, a byproduct of our friendships. And so whether we have good Christian family or not, and good friends or not, we are being formed. And so we need to grow. This, this is sort of two aspects of this series. We need to grow in our relationship with Jesus regardless of our friends and family. So we need to grow in our relationship to Jesus regardless of our friends and family. Now let me tell you, walking with Jesus is both easier and better when you're not alone. Can I get an amen? It's both easier and better when you're not doing it by yourself. But can I tell you that your relationship with Jesus is an individual relationship. It's about you and him. It's not about you and your sister or you and your best friend in your relationship with Jesus. It makes it better, but it isn't necessary. Are you hearing me? And so it's important that we recognize that regardless of what people around us do, I need to grow in my relationship to Jesus anyways. But also, we need to grow in healthy relationships. We need to not just grow in our relationship to Jesus, regardless of our friendships. We also need to grow together in our relationships. Jesus said that the greatest commandment, anybody know it? Greatest commandment? What is it? Love? 
Love God and love your neighbor, right? Love God, love others. <laughs> love God, love people. And sometimes our love for God, if we have a love for God, it doesn't impact our love for people. Or, get this, this is a problem for many of us. We love people far away, but right, not right next to us. Right, like you hear, you hear sometimes like, Maybe uh, you talk to somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus or they're a skeptic or something like that, and you share with them, hey, um, God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And they say, like, that's great, um, but what about the person in Africa that's never going to hear? And one of the things that we think about is like, oh, uh, what about that person over there? And, and regardless of that situation, usually my response, I've had situations like that, and it's like, if you love the person in Africa so much, why don't you give your life to Jesus and then go tell them about it? Like, it's like, if, you, if that's a big thing for you, make that your thing and go do something about it. But it's easier sometimes to love somebody on another continent than it is to love somebody in our cul-de-sac. Like, it's easier to love somebody uh, like a, 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 that lives in the next town over than it is to love the person that lives in the next bedroom over. And so one of the things we have to realize is in our relationship to Jesus, it's got to impact not just the world, but the people that are closest to us. And so we want to look at how our relationship with Jesus should impact the relationships closest to us and how we grow in those relationships, okay? Um, so Ephesians 6, I titled this message, because I said so. We're going to talk about family. And I've titled it, Because I Said So. Anybody have that situation at home? Like, hey, why do I have to do that? And your parents respond with, because I said so. And you're like, that is, that's not a really fair answer. Right? It's like, because I'm the boss. You're like, okay, well, here we are. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Ephesians 6, um, beginning in verse 1. You ready? Ephesians 6, 1. You're there? You're happy? You're good with who you're sitting next to? Comfortable temperature? You guys ate? You're feeling good? You all right? You good? No. You're cold? You're good. All right. Ephesians 6. Here we go. Verse 1. Children. Everyone say children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. All right, we're going to talk about families tonight. Sound good? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we've been adopted into the family of God. That we are beloved sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Um, and Lord, we thank you that you've also called us into the family that we live in, um, both to be a witness of you and to be an encouragement to them. And so, Lord, as we talk about this, and I recognize that there's a, there's a whole host of different family dynamics in this room. So, God, would your Holy Spirit speak to us directly in our situation? Um, the truths, the timeless truths of your word um, applied to our life today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, when I was a kid, 
um, I, this happened to me a lot, but in one time in particular, I was grounded. And uh, anybody been grounded before? Nobody? Just me? All right. Um, so been grounded. And in this time, my parents decided that I was so grounded that I couldn't leave our, literally our property of our house. I couldn't walk from off the driveway into the street. And the house I grew up in was uh, right across the street from uh, the beach. I love the beach. I love to surf. I was grounded. I could not leave our, the driveway. And I remember, I don't know if my brothers were doing this on purpose or it just was a coincidence, but I remember they decided that that day that they were go- wanted to play in the street. You know, like, we're going to ride our bikes in the street. And uh, I had to stand literally on the edge of the driveway, watching them have fun, freedom, and I wasn't allowed to literally leave my driveway. It literally, it took my house and it turned it into a prison. And it felt so unfair. I was like, I, I, this, I wanna go to the beach, I wanna hang out with my brothers in the street, like I wanna live my life. Now, the reason I was grounded um, is because a couple nights earlier, our parents had gone out, they had left us with um, a babysitter, and I got a paintball gun, and I brought it in the house, and I shot our babysitter um, with the paintball gun. So to be fair, the punishment kind of fit the crime. <laughs> Literally, my parents' response to me was, if you're going to behave like a little kid, we're going to treat you like a little kid, and you're not allowed to leave the house without our, without, uh, under our supervision. The reason I'm telling you that is because sometimes we view our parents or the situations that we're in simply as like somebody oppressing us or trying to keep us down or keep us from things. And oftentimes we don't realize that we actually have a part to play in a healthy home environment. It's easy to read a verse like this, and it says, children, obey your parents. It says, honor your father and mother. And then it says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids or don't don't provoke your children to anger. And it's really easy for us, for you guys as the kids in the house, to view the verse about the father and be like, yeah, dad, you need to do that. Like, if you would just get off my back a little bit, then I could, if you would let me do what I wanted to do, then I would obey you and I would do what you wanted me to do. But we have to realize that whenever we view Bible verses, you have to apply the part that's talking to you to you and apply the part that's talking to them to them. Does that make sense? Earlier in this same passage, it talks about husbands and wives. And it's really popular for husbands to sort of put the wives verse in their pocket. It's, and then the, the wives to put the husband's verse in their pocket and bring it up like maybe in a fight or in a disagreement. Hey, you're supposed to be like this. The Bible, when it's addressing you, that's the point of who it's talking to. It's not talking to them. Have you ever been sitting in a sermon and you're like, ooh, this would be so good for them to hear? Right? It's like, no, no, no. God wants to speak to you. Let him worry about talking to them. Are you hearing me? And so when it, comes to, when it comes to family dynamics, when it comes to relationships, we have to recognize, okay, who am I? Who is, what's my part in this whole situation? Now, the Bible doesn't give a whole lot of instruction about the family dynamic. There's not a whole lot of verses that talk about it. 
We've got this one in Ephesians. There's another one in Colossians. Jesus mentions a little bit about family, but his family stuff is like kind of, kind of crazy. Not crazy, but he's making a, a dramatic point, right? He tells us that we're supposed to hate our mother and father. And you're like, that doesn't seem like Jesus. Now, his point is you have to have the highest authority. If you put anything, any relationship above your relationship with Jesus, it's out of whack. But there's not a whole lot of verses in the Bible that talk about family. And the reason for that is because there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about Christians. Right? I mean, it's kind of the whole book. Right? <laughs> like, it's, the whole book is kind of talking about what it looks like to be a follower of God. And so if follower of God is first, then where you sit in your house falls under follower of God. And so then all of the things that talk about what a Christian should be then applies to what a house should look like. Are you hearing me? So when it talks about kindness and goodness and patience and gentleness, and when it talks about loving your enemy, when it talks about loving your neighbor, when it talks about being slow to speak and quick to listen, when it talks about being quick to forgive, when it talks about biting your tongue, when it talks about being honest and transparent, all of those things apply to the home. Are you hearing me? But then there's specific things, very, very particular things that talk about what the house is supposed to look like. And in this verse, we see that the call is to obedience. The call in the home for the child is obedience. And then the result of obedience is doing what is right. Why be obedient? Well, because you're doing what is right and you're receiving a blessing from God. Now we'll talk about this. But first, let's talk about this idea of obedience. Um, it, obedience, it's the Greek word hupaku, which I just want to tell you that because it felt like it was fun to say, hupaku. Um, it's not spelled like it sounds. It's spelled H-Y-P-A-K-O-U-O, -O, pronounced hupaku. And it means <laughs> obey. It means to listen. It means to submit to. And then ready for this? Listen to this definition. It means of one who on the knock at the door comes to see who it is. That's the word obey. It's one of at the knock of the door, or let's put it into more our context, at the vibration of a phone opens it up to see who it is. That's the idea. It's like a, it's like a call, and it's a natural instinct to see what's there. That's the idea of obey. So it's the phone vibrates. I wonder who that could be. Pick it up and you, it's, it's instant. It happens. That's the idea of obedience. Now, just the very thought of obedience, depending upon your context, between, depending upon your family dynamic, either sounds like a logical, like obviously that's what we do, or it sounds like abuse, right? Depending upon your home life, when I say, hey, be, when the Bible says, children, be obedient to your parents, for some of you are like, yeah, I get it. That's what we do at home. They're in charge. They pay the bills. They pay for my cell phone. They pay for my car insurance. They pay for my food. They pay for the air conditioning. They pay for the house insurance. They pay for the, the impact windows for hurricanes. They pay for the gas in the car. Like the list goes on and on. Like when, let me tell you, when you get old, you have to pay for literally everything, okay? 
Um, so part of it is like, yeah, my parents, I get it. I live under their roof. I'm obedient to them. But some of you, you come from very dysfunctional homes. Like maybe you come from parents that like one day they behave one way and the next day it's completely, like you go home from school and you have no idea the person you're about to walk in the door and encounter. And so the idea of obedience to you sounds like, oh my gosh, that's, that's basically child abuse, like what I'm walking into. So obedience just in, it, in and of itself stirs up all sorts of feelings when we think about it. And there's a few reasons why we don't want to obey, why our natural instinct isn't to obey. One is because really we only want to do what we want to do. Anybody relate to that? Like the top of my list of things I want to do is what I want to do. The bottom of my list of things I want to do is what my parents want me to do. The top of my list is sleep in, never make the bed because I'm about to get back in it. Like it literally makes no sense that I have to make this thing every day. And just to unmake it, it's, it's crazy. Anyways, that's, just, that's besides the point. Um, right? So some things you're like, I want to do what I want to do, and I don't want to do what they... So part of the reasons we, we don't want to obey is because we like being in charge of our lives. We like making the decisions. We like to set our own curfew. We like to do with our cell phone whatever it is we want to do. We want to be where we want to be with our friends. And whatever your life looks like, we, we want to be in control of our lives. The second reason I think we don't want to obey is because what they want us to do is either difficult or they're difficult, right? Like obedience isn't natural for us is because like they're asking me to do hard things. And like, I don't want to do that. Like I have so much going on. My friends aren't responding or things in my life are difficult. And now they're asking me to do more. Or you live in a house where your parents are just flat out difficult. And so we talk about obedience, and you're like, golly, it's just, is this what being a Christian is? It's just like a bunch of to-do lists, and I have to listen to crazy parents, and I have to figure out, like, how do I handle this dynamic? But there's a reason the Bible instructs us to obey. There's a reason that the command is simple. Now, all, again, all of the other Christian principles and values you take into your life at home, right? You, you, you add those in. But the specifics is really simple. It says, children, obey your parents. Like your phone vibrating and you're texting, you're, you're seeing who it is. That's the call for obedience to a parent. So, so why would I do that? Why would I live like that? How can I live like that? Well, a couple of things. Being obedient, even to difficult parents or difficult situations, teaches you to obey when it's hard or doesn't make sense. Now, can I tell you a life lesson that goes beyond living at home? You're going to have to do things you don't want to do. I know, doesn't that, that's like, ah, really? I got to do things. Like, probably what's going to happen is you're going to graduate high school and you'll go to college either because you want to or because that's the natural next step for you. And then you're going to have classes and you're going to have to go to those classes. And you're like, I don't want to go. Some of these classes I like all things considered, it's still school. But some of them I like, but this class I hate. And this teacher I hate. And I have to go to this class. And then maybe you'll finish school and you'll get a job. And you'll work for somebody. And they might be crazy. Right? And you're going to have to show up to work. And you have to get there on time. And you're like, I don't want to get there on time. I want to get there when I want to get there. And yet, you have to learn. Like, 
I have to do things. Part of the human experience, right? This is a huge life lesson for you. Part of the human experience is doing things you don't want to do, right? And so part of the reason God instructs the child to learn to be obedient is because it teaches us, it helps you understand a bigger picture of how to do things you don't want to do, even when it's difficult or the people are difficult. But it also, not only does it teach us how to deal with difficult things we don't want to do, but it also helps us to trust in God when it's difficult or doesn't make sense. Can I tell you that there's times in your relationship with God that there'll be things or situations or feelings or circumstances that you're like, God, I, I don't understand this. I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why you're allowing this to happen or why you're not taking this away. And what happens is if you can learn to be obedient to earthly parents and earthly bosses, you're able to zoom out and go, okay, I can, I can be obedient to God and I can trust in God even when it doesn't make sense. Okay, so obedience is about responding and doing what, we're, what we've been asked to do in a way that is honoring God and it helps us to, to learn how to do difficult things we don't want to do and to trust in God. But then there's also a second part of the verse. It says, obey, obey your parents, like, the, like your phone ringing and you're, you're, you're going to see who it is. Like there's a knock on the door and you're trying to figure, okay, who's at my front door? That's the idea, obedience. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving specifics on like what it looks like for you to be obedient in your home. Because you know, right? You know what your parents ask of you. You know what the situation's like. So the first call is to obedience. But then he quotes another verse. He says, children, obey your parents. And then he says, honor your father and your mother. Now, honor is different than obedience, Honor, it means to recognize, it means to affirm, and it even means to empower. That's the idea of honor, to recognize, to affirm, and to empower. Obedience is an action. Listen to me. Honor is an attitude. Okay, obedience is take out the trash. Obedience is 10 o'clock's your curfew. Obedience is I don't want you hanging out with those people. Obedience is you got to mow the lawn on Saturday. Obedience is like the phone stays in the living room when you go to bed. Obedience is like, that's obedience. Honor is an attitude you carry when you are called to be obedient. Now, the interesting thing about obedience is obedience to parents has a shelf life, meaning obedience to parents expires one day. What I mean by that is like when I moved out of my parents' house, I don't have to check in at what time I go home. Like, I don't have to, like, eat the food they tell me to eat. I can eat whatever I want. If I want cake, I can eat cake whenever I want. I, in my house, I bought the groceries. It's my, I'm paying for the car insurance, and I've got the shutters for the house, and all the stuff, I'm doing it. So if I want cake, I'm going to eat cake. That's the point. Obedience, stop. I don't have to, like, call my dad and be like, hey, um, I was thinking about, I know it's kind of late, me and a couple buddies, we're gonna, we were going to go hang out. Are you, are you okay with that? I'm a, grow, I'm a grown up. <laughs> I get to do those things. Like obedience has a shelf life. Listen to me. Honor, however, doesn't have a shelf life. Obedience is, okay, you got to take out the trash. Okay, I got to take out the trash. 
Obedience is, okay, I'll pay for your car insurance. You've got to pay for your phone bill. Okay, I'll figure out how to make that work. That's obedience. Honor, to affirm, to empower, to, to recognize, that's for life. And honoring our parents teaches us how to honor others. Because honor is something that allows for us to be the people God's called us to be and to recognize the, the, the inerrant value of every single person. The Bible talks about that every person is made in the image of God. The idea of honoring a person, different than obedience, even different than submission, honoring a person is simply recognizing they're made in the image of God. Okay, maybe they are behaving poorly or they're, they're, they're not a follower of Jesus or they're being just altogether just the worst. <laughs> honor says that person is made in the image of God. And that honor, that baseline of honor should impact not just your parents, but that should impact your siblings. You should honor your siblings. Hey, they're made in the image of God. You should honor your friends. You should honor your teachers and, the, and police officers and, and, and whatever, whoever it is. Right? Honor, there's this idea of affirm. And honor teaches us how to honor other people. So this is the instruction. That's it. That is the extent of the instruction, really, on the Bible about how children should interact with their parents. Obey and honor. So if that's the call, what's our motivation? Why should we do this? I got three quick points that I think will help us put this into context into our lives of why we should obey and honor. The first thing is it's about bringing out the God-given potential in every person. The reason we honor and the reason we obey is because it's about bringing out the God-given potential in every person. Okay, if somebody in your family is a believer, what this looks like is encouraging them to be the people that God has called them to be. And if it, we're talking about obedience to parents, it's affirming who God has called them to be. Right? We're saying, we're saying, okay, I'm obedient to my parents because God's called them to help me and shepherd me and to take care of me and to provide for me. And so my obedience and my honor of them is actually allowing them to be the person that God wants them to be. And the same thing with my siblings. My part, your part to play, if you've got siblings, is how can I help them be the individual that God's called them to be? Are you hearing me? Especially if you're older sibling. Let me talk to older siblings in the room for a moment. Your younger siblings look up to you, and part of the call on your life is to provide a space and to encourage and empower them to be the person that God's called them to be. Okay, so if, if you're living in a family environment where people are followers of Jesus, it's about encouraging them to be the people God's called them to be. Now, if you're living in a home environment where people aren't followers of Jesus, this same, this same principle applies. But rather than encouraging them to be the person God's called them to be, you have the obligation to be an example of who they could be in Christ. Right? So, so if you're living in a Christian environment, you're like, okay, I'm empowering. How can I encourage them? How can I build them up? How can I help them be the person that God's called them to be? If I'm living in an environment where they're not followers of Jesus, how can my life be an example to them of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? 
Man, I, I, I feel for those of you that are here that you are the only Christian in your family. I get it. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's, it's unknown. They, they don't quite get what you're doing on a Thursday night or why you're reading your Bible or why you're listening to that worship music or whatever it is. But listen to me. It's not pointless. You're an example of what their life could be if they were followers of Jesus. You should have a hope and a life and a joy that shows people this is what following Jesus is all about. And the home environment is about bringing out the God-given potential in every person. Second thing is this. You guys with me? Is this helpful? Okay, the second thing is the home should be where individual Christianity is on highest display. Okay, the home should be where individual Christianity is on highest display. You guys ever heard the phrase Sunday best? Ever heard that phrase, Sunday best? The idea of Sunday best is like, okay, we're going to church, and I got to get my life together. Like, I got to get fitted. I got to look right. Can't cuss today. It's Sunday. I'm going to church. Christian music today. We're going to church. After church, we could change that. But before church, like, we got to get our life together. We got to look the part. We got to behave the part. Now, now, that doesn't just apply, like, on Sunday. We have a mindset where, like, when we're out and about, we maybe behave like Christians. And then when we get home, it just all falls apart. Like we, we're like loving our classmates and like being a good example. And we're like encouraging and listening to our teachers. And we're being a good example. And we're like doing all that we're like oh, be, listening to our boss. And we're showing up on time. And they ask us to do something. And we're working so hard. And we're like all for the glory of God. And then we get home from from school or from work, and we, like, yell at our siblings as we walk in the house, like, kick the dog. We're like, forget you, mom and dad. I don't know if you talk to them like that. You slam the door. You're like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, it's like all of a sudden, our, we, we're like these great Christians out and about, and then we get home, and our whole Christianity just falls apart. Listen to me. Your home should be the place where the highest, your highest Christianity is shown. Now, I'm not saying you should, you should fake it. That's not what I'm talking about. But authentic. This is who I am, and I'm following Jesus, and I want to be the best I can be. I think the church, I think the church should be the place where broken, messed up, hurting people just come in and be broken and messed up and hurting. I don't think the church should be the place where we like get all buttoned up and like pretend like everything's together. Like the church should be like, I need prayer. I'm a mess. I need help. God, would you show up? And then the home is where we actually leave the church and we go back to our house and say, okay, now I'm going to live out being a follower of Jesus. It's about taking, the Bible says that the pastor's job, like the, my job is to equip the saints, you guys, for the work of the ministry. Oftentimes we think that the pastor's job is to do the work of the ministry. The pastor's job is to equip you to go do the work of the ministry. Okay, well, if, if working at the church isn't doing the work of the ministry, where's the work of the ministry? It's in your house. The work of the ministry, it's, it's, it's when your sibling comes over to your room late at night and wants to hang. 
Like the work of the ministry is saying, okay, parents, I disagree with what you're doing. You're not a follower of Jesus. Your sort of goals in life are different than mine, but I'm gonna submit myself to you so that you can see what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. Because I'm doing, you are called to do the work of the ministry. And the home should be where individual Christianity is on its highest display. Okay, last thing. The third reason why we obey and honor is because there is a blessing attached to obedience. There's a blessing attached to obedience. Listen to this. This is, this is so strong. He says, obey and honor. And then it, he's quoting Deuteronomy 20, the, te- the Ten Commandments. And he says, which is the first commandment with a promise. And then he quotes the promise. So that, this is why you should obey and honor your parents. So that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's pretty interesting. Now, I can't say for certain that every person that is obedient to their parents enjoys long life on the earth. And I can't say for certain that if you're disobedient to parents, you won't enjoy long life on the earth. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what it's saying. What it is saying is that you will experience full life through obedience. Now, full life doesn't mean necessarily long life, but it does mean full life, abundant life, satisfied life. There's a blessing attached to obedience. I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you guys can make your way up here. Now, if, I, if we're honest, me saying obey your parents is probably the most disappointing sermon I could possibly give, right? Like, you guys know, you're like, oh, God, this one. Like, how much did my parents pay you to talk about this? Right, like, this is like the worst sermon one could give. Um, we don't want to be obedient, especially if the people we have to obey are rude, wrong, or inconsistent. Right? Rude, wrong, or inconsistent? Anybody? You're like, yep, that's my parents. Um, Listen to this verse. This is Hebrews chapter 5. This is a shocking verse. Could you mute it? Just tell... Sorry, thank you. Um, Just tell they're all set. Um, Hebrews chapter 5. Listen to this verse. This is a weird one. You guys ready for it? Okay. During the days of Jesus' life on earth... He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission, which we could preach a whole sermon in that. He was heard. Jesus' prayer was, save me from death. He was heard. He still died, right? So even the song we sang today, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. Doesn't mean he answered it the way we wanted him to answer it. But he heard and he answers. Okay, because of his reverent submission. Listen to this. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Okay, son though he was, God in flesh, he learned obedience through what he served. Jesus learned obedience. Obedience. How does the one who knows all things and holds all things together learn anything? Isn't that a weird thought? Jesus learned 
obedience. You're like, wait a second. I thought you made all this stuff. <laughs> like, I thought you set all this in motion. I thought you, sp I thought you spoke the Bible. <laughs> I thought you made the Ten Commandments. What do you mean you learn obedience? Here's the second question. How does the one who is perfect in every way submit themselves under human parents, authority, or plans? Think about that. Here's the point. Jesus recognizes that when we willfully submit ourselves under authority, we're actually honoring God with our lives and submitting ourselves under his highest authority. Okay, why, why should we learn to obey? Why should we submit ourselves to our parents or to authority? Well, when we willfully submit ourselves under authority, we are actually honoring God with our lives. If Jesus, listen to me, if Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the creator and sustainer of all things, could submit himself and be obedient to sinful parents, think about that. That's a wild like, thought experiment to really go down in your mind. Like his parents are telling him to do stuff, and you're like, he's like, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Like, wait a second, Jesus. Like, the, like the, the, this baby is cooing in his mother's arm, and that same voice hung the stars in the sky. And now they're saying, hey, Jesus, I need you to go with your dad and pick up your brother from school. <laughs> and you're like, willfully submit himself under sinful parents he learned obedience, and notice the verse, he learned obedience through his suffering, suffering. The point I'm trying to make is this, is that when we honor and when we obey, we are actually choosing to submit ourselves under the highest authority, which is God, and allowing him to bless and to provide and to do what he wants to do in and through our lives. He says, honor your father and mother. Why? Because this is the first uh, uh, command with a promise attached to it that it may go well for you that you may live long and full life that God would be actively a part of your life blessing your life providing for you and working in your life and he says so because of that because of our highest authority which is God we're going to submit ourselves under human authority so regardless of what your home like life is like you actually have an opportunity to submit yourself to practice obedience to God by learning to be obedient to sinful, broken people in our life. And by doing so, we actually call up God's best in people's lives, and we're a great witness of who God is in our closest situation, which is our house.